Hi, I'm Janine, and you're listening to Get the Funk Out. On today's show, we're in conversation with Zinzi Clemens, author of What We Lose. This is a powerful and innovative debut novel that questions the nature of identity, grief, and love through the eyes of a young woman who loses her mother to cancer. Told in visceral vignettes that draw from autofiction, online media, and encyclopedia, What We Lose is a thoughtful, poignant debut from a promising new voice. My pleasure to welcome to this week's show, author Zinzi Clemens. Hi, Zinzi. Hi. I want to have you start by giving the listeners a, just a brief summary of what the book is about without giving too much away. What We Lose is narrated by a character named Tandi, and she grows up in the United States, um, but her mother is South African, um, and she has the experience of going back and forth between both countries and has um, a... Uh, typically fraught relationship with her mother, and that is all complicated when her mother um, is diagnosed with cancer and eventually passes away from the disease. And much of the book reflects on that experience and Tandi's life um, before and afterward. So I want to touch on the fact that uh, you, you lost your own mother. I'm very sorry, by the way. Thank you. You decide to write this as a fictional book. Mm-hmm. How did you make that decision? Because I feel like it is a way to keep some of your personal life personal and keeping, you know, retaining your privacy. You know, that, that's definitely a part of it, that uh, I needed a way to kind of distance myself from the material, mm-hmm. um, both for, um, as you say, my own privacy, but also to um, kind of be able to shape the story in a more uh, sort of objective way. So the way that the story began is... Um, I uh, started from a series of notes that I was taking when I was um, sort of uh, taking care of my mom when she was declining. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, I, I built this story and I built this character um, sort of out of those notes. And when I was doing that, when I was really focusing on making this into a novel, um, I wanted freedom to be able to talk about anything I wanted and not be uh, constrained to what actually happened in life. Um, So I just wanted to make, I just wanted to tell the story in the best way that I could. And for me, uh, that was to to tell it through fiction. You know, I can really appreciate that because uh, in 1994, I lost my mom and I actually wrote a screenplay and I put in some of the stuff that was real and I put in a lot of Uh fiction. And I felt like that was just how I wanted to express what was going through my mind and my heart. Yeah. Talk about your upbringing, because um, mm-hmm. you moved around and, you know, it wasn't easy at times. Um, yeah, so I, uh, my um, mother's also South African. My father uh, is, um, this is where it differs from the, the book, my father is um, actually from an immigrant family also. Mm-hmm. Um, his family is mostly from Trinidad, and um, he grew up in a really heavily immigrant community in Jamaica, Queens. Um, and uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania in the suburbs of Philadelphia, which is a very different place from South Africa and yes. from Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> and um, every summer, um, because my mother was a school teacher, she had summers off, so she would take myself and my brother, uh, who's a couple years younger than me, to South Africa for basically the entire summer. And I would get to kind of see both places, and especially the time when we were going, most of it was... Um, pre-independence and just after. Um, 
I really observe the differences between both countries and both cultures, um, particularly how both countries dealt with race and how race relations work. Um, so that experience is very much a part of who I am, and I think it's part of the book and um, and how the narrator sort of interacts and, and sees the world. I thought that was really, really fascinating how you captured that. There's so many other things I want to cover. I love how you put in different illustrations and pictures. I mean, that's where you kind of cross mm. the line of here's my personal side to me. Hmm. What was that like? I've always done that in, uh-huh. in my fiction particularly, mm. less so in, in my uh, nonfiction. But um, I actually come from... I. I started out um, drawing a lot. So when I was in uh, high school and through college, I always took a lot of studio art classes, um, graphic design classes, and I worked in in book production. Um, I started my own literary journal. So I've always been involved in the like physical and aesthetic aspects of uh, bookmaking. And so it's something that I sort of just naturally bring to writing. Um, and for me, it just feels like a natural way to tell a story, especially, you know, um, in the Internet age where we do really interact with, with text on a daily basis, but it's different from how we interact with print. There are always images associated. We jump from one article to the next. We sort of jump associatively, like based on topic. Mm-hmm. And all of those principles are a part of the book, and it's, it's very organic. When I got to the part where you had uh, two graphs, one was emotion and time, and then, you know, I thought, wow, what a way to express what she's going through, what, what you're processing. Yeah, part of that is also because um, I, I also studied science early on, and I have, like, a pretty analytical mind. And yes. so I, I do, that is something that, that comes from me, I think, as a person, um, whenever... I encounter an experience and I try to kind of quantify it to try and make sense of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's sort of different from the way most um, people think. And so it's an interesting thing to present. And I, I think people are often surprised by it and um, kind of cut off guard by it. But it's something that I like kind of throwing in there. Well, I actually enjoyed it. I thought, now most people don't have this kind of analytical mind to talk about sine and cosine. And I, they one on the opposite page where it says, in the same way my mind was trying to reconcile my new reality and, and failing over and over again. Mm. And it, it just, I can, I can just tell your way of trying to process what was going on and, and trying to get your emotions out on the page in different ways. I appreciated that. The theme of my show is Get the Funk Out. And I'm always fascinated <laughs> with... <laughs> With it's a great name. I love thank it. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> so here's my question. Maybe you touched on this, but as you were going through this whole process, because one thing I failed to mention, um, I lost my father to cancer a year and a half ago, and it yeah. is, it's gut-wrenching. Whether you have a good relationship, a bad relationship, it's, it's really, really challenging, I think. Yeah. So as you were going through this process, uh, facing your new reality, were you writing? Were you were you uh, taking notes? I mean, how did, some of this I feel like I was living it as you were as I was reading yeah. it. Yeah. First, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, Thank you. And uh, I I think we probably have a lot of points of connection here. Um, 
Yes, absolutely. I I was writing through it. I um, as as you uh, kind of alluded to, I think the process of writing about it for me was an attempt to make sense of it. And I think the the sort of fissures that you see in the text, um, just in, in how kind of fragmented it is, and how much of it is a, is about like the sort of failure to represent. Um, this experience is, comes from the experience of, of actually writing about it and, and failing in, mm-hmm. in certain respects. Um, so <clears throat> I think actually it, now that I've, I've sort of come to this, this really final place where I'm, where I'm done with the story and it's published and it's out in the world, it's, it's actually really helped me a lot, um, and maybe you can identify with the, the mm-hmm. screenplay that you wrote about your mom. It does help you to kind of externalize and to be able to look at things from, from a distance. Yes. And I feel, you know, really happy that, that I was able to carry that through, and I think also through writing about my mom, because I did have a really complicated relationship with her, mm-hmm. um, Help me to understand who she was as a person, really, because that's what you're doing when you're writing. You're trying to understand and get inside a character. And I think if I hadn't tried to write about someone who was, you know, similar to her in a similar circumstance, um, if I hadn't tried to do that and kind of try to understand some of our underlying issues, which I represented through these characters, um, I may not feel as um, sort of accepting of what happened as I do now. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was my question is, once you were done with this book, how did you feel? Did you feel a sense of, okay, I've encapsulated this whole grueling, you know, emotional roller coaster, and I can kind of just put this aside and breathe for a little bit? I mean, what was that Mm -hmm. like? Yeah, I think there were kind of, there are two stages of it. So when I, when I finished the book itself, when I finished the manuscript, and I was like, okay, done. And that was, you know, the point at which it was submitted around to publishers. That was one feeling, and I think the feeling was like, yeah, a relief. I felt like I'd, I'd done what I'd set out to do mm-hmm. for myself, for my own standards. Um, and then the second part of that has been the reception and, you know, talking to people like we're doing now, especially people who have been through a similar thing and, and having them point out things that maybe I hadn't noticed or saying that they really identify or really like something that I said is a whole other thing. And I think it's been a really nice personal experience to be able to connect with many different people over this experience. Um, I've had people at readings um, come up to me with like tears in their eyes and just say, you know, this meant something to me. And that's really the kind of the best thing I could hope for from from this is to be able to, to offer something to people who had a had a traumatic experience in their past um and it feels it doesn't feel like you know i've put out this thing and it's perfect and now i'm done with it it feels more like i i represented something and i was faithful to that experience and it's a confusing ugly painful experience um but i was able to do it because i just kind of stuck through with it and i i feel i feel proud and and satisfied by that that's great and it's really tough to put your emotional, you know, stuff out there and talk about all the things you went through. And I find that, I don't know if you feel like this, but writing mm-hmm. is really, it's, it's just so cathartic. I mean, I would rather write 
what I went through than go talk to a therapist about, you know, will this happen and that happen? I would rather just paint the whole picture and put it down on, on pages. You know what I mean? Maybe you don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did both, and I, I do both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also because I, I tend to, to hold things in a lot, and I need to, at the same time, talk to people. Sure, um, yeah. But I think it is like the writing part. I I can't I can't under I can't overstate how important it was um, in this respect. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel lucky that I have access to to this outlet. Um, and yes. it really did. It was catharsis. It it helped me a lot in every stage of writing about it and publishing it. It's it's been really a really useful tool to me. That's great. I want to talk about how grief and desire interact in this novel because I find it really powerful. Mm. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so again, some of this comes from experience. I think that was probably one of the most surprising aspects of, um, of what I went through. I think when you haven't gone through it, you sort of expect your life to all shut down and this is the only thing that's happening. Right. Um, or maybe I was just naive, but I think that is kind of how we tend to think about tragedy. But you still are a human and you have a human body. And it was sort of one of those things that I think did kick into overdrive. I think because you're so lonely and gutted and you kind of, you're longing for intimacy in this really different way. Um, and I felt like the desire to... Um, to think about myself starting a family mm-hmm. um, it's something I've observed in other people and and just like the desire to connect with another human being when you've gone through this really difficult thing is, is something that's pretty common. Yeah. Um, at the same time, on a conceptual level, I think they're, they're similar. And that's sort of what I was trying to portray is that it's something that's sort of beyond words, sex. Mm-hmm. orgasms, things like that. Yeah. You can't really explain them in a logical way, and they sort of transport you um, when you're in that space. In the same way that, that death does, they're, they're these sort of ineffable points in your life. And I felt a connection between the two. Intellectually, I saw a connection between the two. Um, and it just sort of felt like a sort of cycle or two sides of the same coin to me that I wanted to to sort of place together and have readers think about. What do you hope readers will take away from reading this book? Because there's so much. Yeah, I think there are a couple of different audiences. So one is, like I mentioned, that connection for people who've been there is really, really important to me. Um, But the other one, you know, for people who have not, um, or even for people who just don't want to interact with that side of it, because I understand that, Mm I hope that it sort of challenges them and encourages them to think differently. Um, And that's part of why I wrote it from first-person perspective, is that I did want people to be in Tandi's shoes and to be able to to experience what it's like to to be someone who doesn't fit in and someone who is trying to think about the world and trying to interpret it in a way that feels true to her. Um, And I hope that that encourages people to to maybe reconsider some of their assumptions about other people, about people who might be vulnerable or suffering, and people who are different from them. Um, I just want it, it to to um, to expand how readers think mm-hmm. and to challenge them a little bit. 
One thing I want to mention before we wrap is in the book there's a friendship with, uh, is it Amina? Amina? Uh, Amina. Amina. Could you talk about mm-hmm. that? Because I thought that was so, you know, special. And is she really a compositive, some of your friends? What was that character? How was that built? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, she's definitely a composite um, of, like, some of my closest friends, which is, you know, how, how novelists tend to create characters. I teach, I tell my students. To, to borrow as heavily from life as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and um, the reason why that character is really important in this book in particular is because um, basically Tandi's family is, is irrevocably altered. And I think, um, again, you know, you could probably identify with this yourself. When you have your family be like rocked like that and changed so fundamentally, you can't really rely on people inside of your family to be your sources of support. Yes. Um, and this is something I saw over and over with, you know, also other people that I knew going through it, is that you really lean a lot more heavily on outsiders. Um, at the same time, Amina, because their families are so close and they've known each other for so long, she sort of serves as um, a sort of embodiment of Tandi's history, and uh, she knows all of her secrets. And she's sort of like a mirror at the same time that she's an anchor, and she's a foil for Tandi whenever Tandi gets too too crazy or too off on her own thing. Amina kind of pulls her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's a really important sort of counterbalance to Amina at the same time that she shows sort of where she came from. And before we wrap, I do want to mention you are, uh, you're in the middle of a book tour or did you just wrap it? No, you are in the middle of a book I'm tour. I'm in the middle. You are. Uh, I saw the one yes. in L.A. just finished up on the July 11th and 12th, but you're going to be in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and greater Pennsylvania, Las Vegas, Paris, France, Austin, Texas. If people want to find out more about your book tour, where should they go? Uh, my website, which is just my full name, zinzyclemens.com. Okay, and are you on Facebook or Twitter, anywhere else? I am on Twitter and on Instagram, and the same. It's, it's all just my full name. Perfect. And any advice for people that are going through a tough time, and perhaps they're a writer, you know, they, mm-hmm. they need some way of, you know, communicating what they're going through? Yeah, um, reach out, um, externalize. Um, whether that's through writing or talking to friends or making a podcast or writing a play, um, put it, take it out of yourself because if you sit on it, it's going to hurt you in the long run. Um, so read and write and, and try and put it out in the world as much as possible. Um, and when you do that too, you, you offer the opportunity for other people to understand as well. Um, so make sure you do that. Yes. Thank you so much, Zenzi. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, just visit moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. I'm also on Facebook at Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. The show blog is getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And if you'd like to find out about being a guest, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.